0: Section 33 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 5, Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 33. When Napoleon crossed the Alps. 1800 by john s c abbott in seventeen hundred and ninety six the french under napoleon succeeded in driving the austrians from their holdings in northern italy but while napoleon was in egypt in seventeen hundred and ninety nine the french armies were defeated both in italy and on the rhine napoleon had now become first consul during the following year he crossed the alps and by the victory of marengo became master of the whole peninsula he divided it up into small states and gave over their government into the hands of his relatives and friends the following extract pictures napoleon's crossing of the alps the editor marshal mellus had spread his vast host of one hundred and forty thousand austrians through all the strongholds of italy and was pressing with tremendous energy and self-confidence upon the frontiers of france napoleon instead of marching with his inexperienced troops to meet the heads of the triumphant columns of mellus resolved to climb the rugged and apparently inaccessible fortresses of the alps and descending from the clouds over pathless precipices to fall with the sweep of the avalanche upon their rear it was necessary to assemble this army at some favorable point to gather in vast magazines its munitions of war it was necessary that this should be done in secret lest the austrians climbing to the summits of the alps and defending the gorges through which the troops of napoleon would be compelled to wind their difficult and tortuous way might render the passage impossible english and austrian spies were prompt to communicate to the hostile powers every movement of the first consul napoleon fixed upon dijon and its vicinity as the rendezvous of his troops he however adroitly and completely deceived his foes by ostentatiously announcing the very plan he intended to carry into operation of course the allies thought that this was a foolish attempt to draw their attention from the real point of attack the more they ridiculed the imaginary army of dijon the more loudly did napoleon reiterate his commands for battalions and magazines to be collected there the spies who visited dijon reported that but a few regiments were assembled in that place and that the announcement was clearly a very weak pretense to deceive the print shops of london and vienna were filled with caricatures of the army of dijon the english especially made themselves very merry with napoleon's grand army to scale the alps it was believed that the energies of the republic were utterly exhausted in raising the force which was given to moreau one of the caricatures represented the army as consisting of a boy dressed in his father's clothes shouldering a musket which he could with difficulty lift and eating a piece of gingerbread and an old man with one arm and a wooden leg the artillery consisted of a rusty blunderbuss this derision was just what napoleon desired though dwelling in the shadow of that mysterious melancholy which ever enveloped his spirit he must have enjoyed in the deep recesses of his soul the majestic movements of his plans on the eastern frontiers of france there surge up from luxuriant meadows and vine-clad fields and hillsides the majestic ranges of the alps piercing the clouds and soaring with glittering pinnacles into the region of perpetual ice and snow vast spurs of the mountains extend on each side opening gloomy gorges and frightful defiles through which foaming torrents rush impetuously walled in by almost precipitous cliffs whose summits crowned with melancholy firs are inaccessible to the foot of man the principal pass over this enormous ridge was that of the great st bernard the traveller accompanied by a guide and mounted on a mule slowly and painfully ascended a steep and rugged path now crossing a narrow bridge spanning a fathomless abyss again creeping along the edge of a precipice where the eagle soared and screamed over the fir tops and the abyss below and where a perpendicular wall rose to giddy heights in the clouds above the path at times was so narrow that it seemed that the mountain goat could with difficulty find a foothold for its slender hoof a false step or a slip upon the icy rocks would precipitate the traveller a mangled corpse a thousand feet upon the fragments of granite in the gulf beneath. as higher and higher he climbed these wild rugged and cloud-enveloped paths borne by the unerring instinct of the faithful mule his steps were often arrested by the roar of the avalanche and he gazed appalled upon its resistless rush as rocks and trees and earth and snow and ice swept by him with awful and resistless desolation far down into the dimly discerned torrents which rushed beneath his feet at god's bidding the avalanche fell no precaution could save the traveller who was in its path he was instantly borne to destruction and buried where no voice but the archangels trump could ever reach his ear terrific storms of wind and snow often swept through these bleak altitudes blinding and smothering the traveller hundreds of bodies like pillars of ice embalmed in snow are now sepulchred in those drifts there to sleep till the fires of the last conflagration shall have consumed their winding sheet having toiled two days through such scenes of desolation and peril the adventurous traveler stands upon the summit of the pass eight thousand feet above the level of the sea two thousand feet higher than the crest of mount washington our own mountain monarch this summit over which the path winds consists of a small level plain surrounded by mountains of snow of still higher elevation the scene here presented is inexpressibly gloomy and appalling nature in these wild regions assumes her most severe and sombre aspect as one emerges from the precipitous and craggy ascent upon this valley of desolation as it is emphatically called the convent of st bernard presents itself to the view this cheerless abode the highest spot of inhabited ground in europe has been tenanted for more than a thousand years by a succession of joyless and self-denying monks who in that frigid retreat of granite and ice endeavour to serve their maker by rescuing bewildered travelers from the destruction with which they are ever threatened to be overwhelmed by the storms which battle against them in the middle of this ice-bound valley lies a lake clear dark and cold whose depths even in midsummer reflect the eternal glaciers which soar sublimely around the descent to the plains of italy is even more precipitous and dangerous than the ascent from the green pastures of france no vegetation adorns these dismal and storm-swept cliffs of granite and of ice the pinion of the eagle fails in its rarefied air and the chamois ventures not to climb its steep and slippery crags no human beings are ever to be seen on these bleak summits except the few shivering travellers who tarry for an hour to receive the hospitality of the convent and the hooded monks wrapped in thick and coarse garments with their staves and their dogs groping through the storms of sleet and snow even the wood which burns with frugal faintness on their hearths is borne in painful burdens up the mountain sides upon the shoulders of the monks such was the barrier which napoleon intended to surmount that he might fall upon the rear of the austrians who were battering down the walls of genoa where messina was besieged and who were thundering flushed with victory at the very gates of nice over this wild mountain pass where the mule could with difficulty tread and where no wheel had ever rolled or by any possibility could roll napoleon contemplated transporting an army of sixty thousand men with ponderous artillery and tons of cannon-balls and baggage and all the bulky munitions of war england and austria laughed the idea to scorn the achievement of such an enterprise was apparently impossible napoleon however was as skilful in the arrangement of the minutest details as in the conception of the grandest combinations though he resolved to take the mass of his army forty thousand strong across the pass of the great st bernard yet to distract the attention of the austrians he arranged also to send small divisions across the passes of st gothard little st bernard and mount Senes, he would thus accumulate suddenly into the amazement of the enemy a body of sixty-five thousand men upon the plains of italy this force descending like an apparition from the clouds in the rear of the austrian army headed by napoleon and cutting off all communication with austria might indeed strike a panic into the hearts of the assailants of france the troops were collected in various places in the vicinity of dijon ready at a moment's warning to assemble at the place of rendezvous and with a rush to enter the defile immense magazines of wheat biscuit and oats had been noiselessly collected in different places large sums of specie had been forwarded to hire the services of every peasant with his mule who inhabited the valleys among the mountains mechanic shops as by magic suddenly rose along the path well supplied with skilful artisans to repair all damages to dismount the artillery to divide the gun-carriages and the baggage wagons into fragments that they might be transported on the backs of men and mules over the steep and rugged way for the ammunition a vast number of small boxes were prepared which could easily be packed upon the mules a second company of mechanics with camp forges had been provided to cross the mountain with the first division and rear their shops upon the plain on the other side to mend the broken harness to reconstruct the carriages and remount the pieces on each side of the mountain a hospital was established and supplied with every comfort for the sick and the wounded the foresight of napoleon extended to sending even at the very last moment to the convent upon the summit an immense quantity of bread cheese and wine each soldier to his surprise was to find as he arrived at the summit exhausted with herculean toil a generous slice of bread and cheese with a refreshing cup of wine presented to him by the monks all these minute details napoleon arranged while at the same time he was doing the work of a dozen energetic men in reorganizing the whole structure of society in france if toil pays for greatness napoleon purchased the renown which he attained and yet his body and mind were so constituted that his sleepless activity was to him a pleasure the appointed hour at last arrived on the seventh of may eighteen hundred napoleon entered his carriage at the tuileries saying good-bye my dear josephine i must go to italy i shall not forget you and i will not be absent long at a word the whole majestic array was in motion like a meteor he swept over france he arrived at the foot of the mountains the troops and all the paraphernalia of war were on the spot at the designated hour napoleon immediately appointed a very careful inspection every foot soldier and every horseman passed before his scrutinizing eye if a shoe was ragged or a jacket torn or a musket injured the defect was immediately repaired his glowing words inspired the troops with the ardor which was burning in his own bosom the genius of the first consul was infused into the mighty host each man exerted himself to the utmost the eye of their chief was everywhere and his cheering voice roused the army to almost superhuman exertions two skilful engineers had been sent to explore the path and to do what could be done in the removal of obstructions they returned with an appalling recital of the apparently insurmountable difficulties of the way is it possible inquired napoleon to cross the pass. perhaps was the hesitating reply it is within the limits of possibility forward then was the energetic response each man was required to carry besides his arms food for several days and a large quantity of cartridges as the sinuosities of the precipitous paths could only be trod in single file the heavy wheels were taken from the carriages and each slung upon a pole was borne by two men the task for the foot soldiers was far less than for the horsemen the latter clambered up on foot dragging the horses after them the descent was very dangerous the dragoon in the steep and narrow path was compelled to walk before his horse at the least stumble he was exposed to being plunged headlong into the abysses yawning before him in this way many horses and several riders perished to transport the heavy cannon and howitzers pine logs were split in the centre the parts hollowed out and the guns sunk into the grooves a long string of mules in single file were attached to the ponderous machines of war to drag them up the slippery ascent the mules soon began to fail and then the men with hearty goodwill brought their own shoulders into the harness a hundred men to a single gun napoleon offered the peasants two hundred dollars for the transportation of a twelve pounder over the pass the love of gain was not strong enough to allure them to such tremendous exertions but napoleon's fascination over the hearts of his soldiers was a more powerful impulse with shouts of encouragement they toiled at the cables successive bands of a hundred men relieving each other every half-hour high on those craggy steeps gleaming through the mist the glittering bands of armed men like phantoms appeared the eagle wheeled and screamed beneath their feet the mountain goat affrighted by the unwonted spectacle bounded away and paused in bold relief upon the cliff to gaze upon the martial array which so suddenly had peopled the solitude when they approached any spot of very especial difficulty the trumpet sounded the charge which re-echoed with sublime reverberations from pinnacle to pinnacle of rock and ice animated by these bugle notes the soldiers strained every nerve as if rushing upon the foe napoleon offered to these bands the same reward which he had promised to the peasants but to a man they refused the gold they had imbibed the spirit of their chief his enthusiasm and his proud superiority to all mercenary motives we are not toiling for money said they but for your approval and to share your glory napoleon with his wonderful tact had introduced a slight change into the artillery service which was productive of immense moral results the gun carriages had hitherto been driven by mere wagoners, who being considered not as soldiers but as servants and sharing not only the glory of victory were uninfluenced by any sentiment of honor at the first approach of danger they were ready to cut their traces and gallop from the field leaving their cannon in the hands of the enemy napoleon said the cannoneer who brings his piece into action performs as valuable a service as the cannoneer who works it he runs the same danger and requires the same moral stimulus which is the sense of honor he therefore converted the artillery drivers into soldiers and clothed them in the uniform of their respective regiments they constituted twelve thousand horsemen who were animated with as much pride in carrying their pieces into action and in bringing them off with rapidity and safety as the gunners felt in loading directing and discharging them it was now the great glory of these men to take care of their guns they loved tenderly the merciless monsters they lavished caresses and terms of endearment upon the glittering polished death-dealing brass the heart of man is a strange enigma even when most degraded it needs something to love these blood-stained soldiers brutalized by vice amid all the horrors of battle lovingly fondled the murderous machines of war responding to the appeal call me pet names dearest the unrelenting gun was the stern cannoneer's lady-love he kissed it with unwashed moustached lip in rude and rough devotion he was ready to die rather than abandon the only object of his idolatrous homage consistently he named it mary emma lizzie in crossing the alps dark night came on as some cannoneers were floundering through drifts of snow toiling at their guns they would not leave the gun alone in the cold storm to seek for themselves a dry bivouac but like brothers guarding a sister they threw themselves for the night upon the bleak and frozen snow by its side it was the genius of napoleon which thus penetrated these mysterious depths of the human soul and called to his aid those mighty energies it is nothing but imagination said one once to napoleon nothing but imagination he rejoined imagination rules the world when they arrived at the summit each soldier found to his surprise and joy the abundant comforts which napoleon's kind care had provided one would have anticipated there a scene of terrible confusion to feed an army of forty thousand hungry men is not a light undertaking yet everything was so carefully arranged and the influence of napoleon so boundless that not a soldier left the ranks each man received his slice of bread and cheese and quaffed his cup of wine and passed on it was a point of honor for no one to stop whatever obstructions were in the way were to be at all hazards surmounted that the long file extending nearly twenty miles might not be thrown into confusion the descent was more perilous than the ascent but fortune seemed to smile the sky was clear the weather delightful and in four days the whole army was reassembled on the plains of italy napoleon had sent forward to receive the division and to superintend all necessary repairs while he himself remained to press forward the mighty host he was the last man to cross the mountains seated upon a mule with a young peasant for a guide slowly and thoughtfully he ascended those silent solitudes he was dressed in the grey coat which he always wore Art has pictured him as bounding up the cliff proudly mounted on a prancing charger but truth presents him in an attitude more simple and more sublime even the young peasant who acted as his guide was entirely unconscious of the distinguished rank of the plain traveler whose steps he was conducting much of the way napoleon was silent abstracted in thought and yet he found time for human sympathy he drew from his young and artless guide the secrets of his heart the young peasant was sincere and virtuous he loved a fair maid among the mountains she loved him it was his heart's great desire to have her for his own he was poor and had neither house nor land to support a family napoleon struggling with all his energies against combined england and austria and with all the cares of an army on the march to meet one hundred and twenty thousand foes crowding his mind won the confidence of his companion and elicited this artless recital of love and desire as napoleon dismissed his guide with an ample reward he drew from his pocket a pencil and upon a loose piece of paper wrote a few lines which he requested the young man to give on his return to the administrator of the army upon the other side when the guide returned and presented the note he found to his unbounded surprise and delight that he had conducted napoleon over the mountains and that napoleon had given him a field and a house he was thus enabled to be married and to realize all the dreams of his modest ambition generous impulses must have been instinctive in a heart which in an hour so fraught with mighty events could turn from the tours of empire and of war to find refreshment in sympathizing with a peasant's love this young man but recently died having passed his quiet life in the enjoyment of the field and the cottage which had been given him by the ruler of the world the army now pressed forward with great alacrity along the banks of the aasta they were threading a beautiful valley rich in verdure and blooming beneath the sun of early spring cottages vineyards and orchards in full bloom embellished their path while upon each side of them rose in majestic swells the fir clad sides of the mountains the austrians pressing against the frontiers of france had no conception of the storm which had so suddenly gathered and which was with resistless sweep approaching their rear the french soldiers elated with the achievement they had accomplished and full of confidence in their leader marched gaily on but the valley before them began to grow more and more narrow the mountains on either side rose more precipitous and craggy the aasta crowded into a narrow channel rushed foaming over the rocks leaving barely room for a road along the side of the mountain suddenly the march of the whole army was arrested by a fort built upon an inaccessible rock which rose pyramidally from the bed of the stream bristling cannon skillfully arranged on well-constructed bastions swept the pass and rendered further advance apparently impossible rapidly the tidings of this unexpected obstruction spread from the van to the rear napoleon immediately hastened to the front ranks climbing the mountain opposite the fort by a goat path he threw himself down upon the ground where a few bushes concealed his person from the shot of the enemy and with his telescope long and carefully examined the fort and the surrounding crags he perceived one elevated spot far above the fort where a cannon might by possibility be drawn from that position its shot could be plunged upon the unprotected bastions below upon the face of the opposite cliff far beyond the reach of cannon-balls he discerned a narrow shelf in the rock by which he thought it possible that a man could pass the march was immediately commenced in single file along this giddy ridge and even the horses inured to the terrors of the great saint bernard were led by their riders upon the narrow path which a horse's hoof had never trod before and probably will never tread again the austrians in the fort had the mortification of seeing thirty-five thousand soldiers with numerous horses defile along this airy line as if adhering to the side of the rock but neither bullet nor ball could harm them napoleon ascended this mountain ridge and upon its summit quite exhausted with days and nights of sleeplessness and toil, laid himself down in the shadow of the rock and fell asleep the long line filed carefully and silently by each soldier hushing his comrade that the repose of their beloved chieftain might not be disturbed it was an interesting spectacle to witness the tender affection beaming from the countenances of these bronzed and war-worn veterans as every foot trod softly and each eye in passing was riveted upon the slender form and pale and wasted cheek of the sleeping napoleon the artillery could by no possibility be thus transported and an army without artillery is a soldier without weapons the austrian commander wrote to mellus that he had seen an army of thirty-five thousand men and four thousand horse creeping by the fort along the face of mount albaredo he assured the commander-in-chief however that not one single piece of artillery had passed or could pass beneath the guns of his fortress when he was writing this letter already had one-half the cannon and ammunition of the army been conveyed by the fort and were safely and rapidly proceeding on their way down the valley in the darkness of the night trusty men with great caution and silence strewed hay and straw upon the road the wheels of the lumbering carriages were carefully bound with cloths and wisps of straw and with axles well oiled were drawn by the hands of these picked men beneath the very walls of the fortress and within half pistol shot of its guns in two nights the artillery and the baggage trains were thus passed along and in a few days the fort itself was compelled to surrender mellus the austrian commander now awoke in consternation to a sense of his peril napoleon the dreaded napoleon had as by a miracle crossed the alps of section 33 this recording is in the public domain